0: fruits or five pounds for a pint of fierce or a Daiquiri, any day of the week, including match days. Come on you Reds. Oh, foot there. Yeah! Yeah! Two
1: away. It is Melissa!
0: It's Friday, and you know what that means. Welcome along to episode 86, I think it is, of the ABZ Football Podcast. As always, I'm Gary Scott, and as always, I'm joined by Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? Checking in with the Gavin J. Baxter Monitoring Board. Thumbs up here. Thumbs up. Excellent. What a week it's been, eh, Gav? What a week it has been.
2: And it's not even finished yet.
0: Definitely not. So we're here to quickly run us through a preview for tomorrow's El Sacchio. Loser leaves town. Hibernian versus Aberdeen. Or will they? Or will they? Who knows? At Easter Road. Three o'clock kickoff in the capital. The third meeting of the season between the teams. Before we get into some of the nitty gritty, Gav, just uh, how are you genuinely feeling now? It's Friday. We're, we're we're at the end of the week. It's been a hell of a week. H- has the anger, the confusion subsided yet, or
2: I, I'm still very much in a state of denial? Yes, I, I feel shell shocked <laughs> still, and not. I've not taken Ryback's finisher. It's just the uh, <laughs> astonishment at. Uh... Still kind of the result from Monday night
0: um, in Darvel and the subsequent fallout that our club has put us all through. I guess before we get on to talking properly about the whole game tomorrow, um, just as we're coming on to record, Aberdeen have... Um, the footage from this afternoon's pre-match press conference has kind of come out. Jim Goodwin in relatively bullish mood, I think it's maybe fair to say. Um, I guess the key talking points he... Says it was the easy option for the board to sack him. Um, the simple thing for him to do would be to quit, but he insists he's not going to walk away from anything. <laughs> of course not. Why would you when you've got a severance package to tally up? Um, he believes the board have made a courageous decision by giving him more time. He knows he's got a lot of making up to do to them and more importantly, the fans. Uh, when he was questioned or pushed about what he took the immediate response line in the, in, in the last sentence of the statement that came out from Dave Cormack on Wednesday night, whether that meant that tomorrow's win or bust for him, Goodwin said that it can be interpreted anyway, <laughs> however anyone wants, and he'll just be taking it game by game, which it sounds like is what the club are doing anyway, so fair enough. Um, Rumours and suggestions that he's lost the dressing room couldn't be further from the truth, and he admits that he made a mistake in not playing Graham Shinney in the game against Darval on Monday night and said there'd be no team selection errors this week. Well, we will wait and... See on that one. So I guess he's always going to play today with a straight bat, isn't he? I imagine nothing of any real note in there. I don't think that all sounds like pretty standard fair. Um, the Graham
2: Shinnay comment about not recognizing that it was, well, that he did recognize there was an error not to, to pick Shinny. Okay. He was on the bench. Yeah, I know. I brought him on, I know. but uh, leaving that uh, to one side. Yeah. I mean, at least, I mean, Jim Goodwin, you know, his, his, um, Reputation has taken a battering. Um, It only takes a little bit step further if we actually go ahead and sack him. So, um, of course, he wants to stick around and try and make things work. And it's one hell of an uphill battle the guy's got on his hands. But I guess uh, one way to start would be a win at Easter
0: Road. Absolutely. Uh, Am I right in thinking, by the way, have I completely missed this? Did Cal Roberts come off the bench on Monday night? He did, the last 10 minutes. (laughs) Excellent. How did he do? Because obviously I didn't actually watch the game. I was um, otherwise... Disposed. He
2: got the ball, I think, roughly two or three times, tried to go past his man and failed. Okay, excellent.
0: Again, possibly not the best situation to bring a guy who's been injured that long into, but I guess, never mind. A
2: man lacking in sharpness is
0: how I would describe it. Okay, so let's get... Looking at Hibs, shall we? Or will we touch on, will we touch on some of the rumours that are doing the rounds? Again, these are all just rumours. We don't know if they're true or not, obviously. Uh, aha, you're talking about the rumour innuendo. Rumour and innuendo, yes, yes, absolutely. So, you know, we've had a lot of chat now since Wednesday night about um, there potentially being players out of our first team squad who have been advised that they can find new clubs. Uh, two in particular um, appear to be talked about the most shall we say and they appear to be Vinnie Bajowin and Jaden Richardson again these are just rumours at this moment in time we don't know I suspect that we are still being linked heavily with um, a player's name completely escaped me now is it Jay Izdez from Go Ahead Eagles the centre half Still talk that we're looking to try and get a deal done for him, signing a pre-contract, which will cost us probably the best part of 200 grand. We're still trying to get it done in this window, which is going to be 350. I guess if you put two and two together, there's an opportunity there for us to try and use Vinny Bajau as a make-weight to make that deal happen now. But whether that is or isn't the case, what's your kind of just thought process about the idea about certain players being told their surplus to requirements, especially if it is Vinny and Jaden. These are guys who are still on relatively long-term contracts.
2: It's uh, not the the greatest look for our recruitment department, certainly, and uh, the usage of these players, uh the money we've sank into them. Uh there's also speculation we've heard from um throughout the month as well that you know Dante Polvars and what's been told he's free to go, maybe even a Marley Watkins as well. Um if I was to take the two players individually, like Jaden, I think is, you know, a lot to do to become a top-flight uh, Scottish footballer. Um he is clearly very much out of the picture. Uh, McCrory's first choice right back, and then when we had to McCrory inside, Matty Kennedy played there. So uh, if we can in some way recoup things, and maybe just I guess I guess it's just kind of giving up on the on the Jaden Richardson experiment, then I'm not entirely adverse to it. And uh, when it comes to Bajau, and I know there's lots of fans out there that think he's been maybe harshly treated, been uh, not given ample opportunity recently, but there's a lot of things about Bajau that I struggle with. Um, since he's come in after that first month, he's just seems to be more interested in getting involved in scraps and being on the ground and winning free kicks and not really digging in for the team. Unfortunate. I think there's a player in there for sure. But again, if it's works in our favor to move him on and if that works to go about strengthening
0: our defense again, I'm not adverse to it strategically though, you know, <sighs> I think we've agreed that Jim Goodwin is, you know, he he is (laughs) the metaphorical dead man walking. We are more than likely to be looking for a new manager in the next two or three weeks, maybe four weeks. Um, Strategically speaking, does it make sense to allow a manager who has got one foot out the door already to be making decisions like this about players who... There's a lot of investment in these players, you know, between transfer fees and wages alone, I would imagine that Bajau and Richardson represent something in the region of like a million pounds thus far. That's a lot of sunk cost to just decide after, you know, six months in the case of Jaden Richardson, a little bit longer for Vinny, that there are surplus the requirements. And should you be leaving a guy who might be away at the door to be making those decisions? I mean, a new manager might come in and say, I could see myself getting the best out of these guys. I could work with that.
2: Well, you're speculating, of course, that this is Jim Goodwin's call and not the call of perhaps the football monitoring board, or well, of course, even our esteemed, it's foolish of me. our esteemed director of football, perhaps. Um, in the absence of these kind of qualified um, positions, if we have stuck with Jim Goodwin, which we have, then you know, and he's been given autonomy, then that's. That's the way things are. It doesn't seem like the most sensible decision to me, but I've said that about a lot of things this club have done in the last two years or so. So nothing comes as a shock anymore.
0: (laughs) One of the other things as well that's come out in the last couple of days is this idea that the senior players who were contacted by Cormac, you know, that apparently gave their backing to the manager, uh, appeared to indicate to Cormac that whilst they may be quite like the gym, um, there may be a bit of... concern or confusion around some of his tactical decision-making process and some of the the, the team selection choices he's made that Lee Sharp appears to have been getting it quite tight from a number of senior players. Again, this is all rumor, but um, some chat that Lee Sharp might be finding his quote to be on a particularly shugly peg or that there might be a bit of a drive here for us to look at bringing in maybe some additional coaching firepower. Your thoughts on that? I think we've long speculated from afar what exactly it is that Lee Sharp is
2: bringing to the, to the coaching staff. Sorry, just noticed that my laptop is not
0: hugged in. We're we're, we're It's not a professional outfit. A at any
2: second now, and this is going to be rendered obsolete. There we go. We're safe now. Uh, even, even Jim Goodwin himself mentioned that when he first came in, and this is kind of what ultimately led to Scott Brown's role in the coaching staff being... Uh, well reduced to nothing ultimately leading to Scott Brown leaving the club that Jim Goodwin on the training is a control freak and then that kind of does beg the question of what is Lee Sharp actually doing um, he doesn't seem like he's a person who's in constant dialogue with Goodwin on the touchline regarding it's ideas Samson. or tactics it is Samson are um, doing our pre-match. Much, but never mind <laughs> when we're doing our pre-match um, warm-ups Sharp's not especially involved I think it's um, Graeme read usually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be like an observer as much as anywhere. And... Puts the cones out. That does a good job of the cones. That's a very good job of that. So, um, yeah. Based on that, just watch what I see from afar. And he'll always come back to that pre-match, that post-match, sorry, interview at Tanadice. <laughs> seems like someone who's um overwhelming us with, with positive tactical ideas so um again like glass if it's going about bringing in some additional help maybe a little bit more experience then i again i'm on board with that call it's
0: quite funny isn't it we appear to now be in exactly the same situation we were in a year ago where we're our football monitoring board this time are apparently recommending we should bring in some form of experience to the, help support the manager. Anyway, um, let's, oh, one more thing, because uh, this just did interest me and I, I was intrigued to get your view on this, Gav. Because um, somebody flagged up to me today on Twitter, I hadn't actually seen it because it was from a post a couple of nights ago. Um, Someone had commented on a further comment from an original post we'd made, which um was asking why the negativity on Stephen Gunn, he gets deals across the line. Well, that's we need to be seen about that because how many of the transfer windows now recently have we not been getting deals across the line but way? Anyway? he sorts contracts out on bequest of the manager slash scout and chairman no actual football decision making curiously that tweet was liked by Lewis Gunn who is Stephen Gunn's brother and this is the weird one and I, I, I didn't kind of want to uh, on one hand I didn't really want to pull this out but I'm going to pull it out because Obviously, like Lewis has got family reasons for wanting to back his brother, and that's fine. And I think that, again, I want to reiterate that none of this is personal about anybody, and it shouldn't be taken as being personal on anybody. It's looking at who is employed by the football club in certain key roles and what they deliver. But I thought it was interesting that Lewis liked that post because the inference there, to me, would be that whoever it was that posted saying that Stephen Gunn's got no actual football decision-making uh, authority within his job role if he's in if the inference here is that that premise is correct then that just begs just throws into the whole question once again what on earth the director of football role is actually doing at our club because when you look at the director of football announcement when Stephen Gunn was appointed in there it seems pretty clear to me that he's overall in charge of the of the footballing side of the club so if he's not what is going on um well you guys
2: like keep like using that word organogram Organogram. yes and when we did come up with our brave new world structure yes Stephen Gunn was very clearly identified as being the head of the footballing table so he is the table it seems like um I don't know some kind of almost deflection of his responsibility or an outright admission that at the end of the day Stephen Gunn is what a lot of people expect him to be and that is quite simply a yes man for the chairman
0: yeah, and being used as a kind of administrator to do to do deals and get contracts signed and all that kind of stuff, and that's that if that's what he was doing before, that's fine, that's okay. You need people to be doing that in the club, that's fine. I, I I'm not saying that we don't need that, but that sort of idea runs completely contrary to what we're told his job is, and this goes back to what we've seen this week, where the football monitoring board has now been convened to apparently monitor the footballing side of the business, which. To my knowledge until Wednesday night Should have fallen underneath The remit of Stephen Gunn The whole thing's just a shit show Let's not try and pretend otherwise But I feel that I don't want to necessarily go down That road all over again I'm sure we're going to come back to it again Unless you've got something you want to add to that right now Gav uh,
2: No I was just going to say We somehow managed to get contracts over the line Before we decided to hand someone The role of director of football And presumably the wage that goes along with
0: it Oh exactly because he was football operations Manager or administrator or whatever his job title was before so he was doing that anyway um anywho we had absolutely no issue getting ronnie hernandez over the line no that smashed that one anyway um let's look at saturday at easter road jesus christ what a tale for the tape this one is um both teams in what you might consider to be horrendous form um Hibbs may be slightly better than us um, at this moment in time. They are currently two wins out of their last five in the league. Uh, we, of course, one win in our last five. Hibbs coming off a 3-0 defeat at home to Hearts in the Scottish Cup last weekend. Uh, we won't talk about what happened with us on Monday. In terms of the head-to-head this season, one win a Um Obviously, our first trip to Easter Road this season marred by the decision to send Liam Scales off before half time and then our capitulation in the second half thereafter which might very well have been one of the very first warning sign moments this season about where we were under Jim Goodwin and then a 4-1 win for Aberdeen in the fantastically enjoyable VAR evening at Pataudra on a Friday night just before the World Cup so which in itself will have served as one of many warnings for the
2: highbies about Lee Johnson. Yeah,
0: definitely. Just looking at the tail of the tape, the last 10 meetings, five wins for Aberdeen, four wins for Hibbs, so only the one draw in there. 12 goals for Aberdeen to 10 for Hibs, which seems very low considering the uh, number of goals that have been scored this season alone. And then three clean sheets apiece. Hibs have won three of their last four home games against us. Mm-hmm. which was as many as they had in their previous 19, which is pretty shocking. Aberdeen have lost each of their last five away league games, which is the longest run since December 2010, a run of six, a streak that they ended by winning at Hibs by two goals to one. And Kevin has scored all five of Hibs' goals across their last two league games after his return from injury. So, We'll get into some more data in a minute or two. It's going to be quite an interesting on this one because obviously Hebs now Hibs have got some real, well, Hibs have got challenges full stop, but they've got some real issues now around personnel having accepted an offer this week from Watford for Ryan Porteous He's not been at training all week. And then, interestingly, Kevin but transfer offer accepted from Millwall, but again, in the kind of hour or two before we come on to record, that deal apparently is off because Kevin Isbitt's decided he doesn't want to move to Millwall. Um... So whether he'll be back in the Hibs lineup on Saturday probably remains to be seen because he's, again, not been at training for the last couple of days. It, when Nisbet does go, they are stretched big time in terms of attacking options because the boy Melkerson's already been loaned out to Sparta, Rotterdam, and Kukarevich is injured. He's not going to be around. At the back, Hibs have got a big problem as well. Portis is away. Rocky Bashuri is injured. He's out for the next three months at least. So it's going to be interesting to see what sort of lineup Hibs are able to put on the pitch before we talk about anything else, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say as well, Martin
2: Boyle's out for the season. Um, So even less attacking options. Uh, To the best of my knowledge, Paul Hanlon is available. So major problems at the back for Hibs. Um, Yeah, they might have even less defensive options than we do. And that's quite spectacular in many ways.
0: You're probably at Darren McGregor. Oofed. Um, Oofed. That might be about it, I think. Oh no, oh no. Those poor guys. Um,
2: <laughs> I, I'm very curious about this game. I'm intrigued to see how it's possible for two teams to lose one game of football. Yeah. I, I have a feeling we'll both feel like an ineligible player.
0: <laughs> I mean, the, the thing for Aberdeen is we don't really have those concerns, so you'd expect it to be as strong an outfit as we possibly can out at Easter road I suspect we stick with the 4-2-3-1 I know you're laughing when I've just said the strongest possible it we can I suspect it'll look very similar to what we were playing probably against Rangers at, in at the League Cup semi-final I'd imagine
2: strongest team with us is all of the, a very relative term yeah I mean I this is the thing with the way our team is shaped up and the makeup of the squad it doesn't really matter how horrendously out of form our two centre backs are for example because we don't have anyone else
0: unless something changes in the next 12 hours 24 hours yeah and that
2: even if that were to happen i can't see someone being signed post four o'clock on friday and then be thrown into the team uh on saturday i think that would be quite unusual so uh, and if the chat is that richardson's away then definitely it's gonna be mccrory probably right back you'll probably have colson left back ramadani shinny in the middle uh miofsky up front duke um, and then kind of take your pick from from the rest, point Matty Kennedy, and I don't know, Leighton Clarkson again.
0: Um, yeah, a lot of the I same be kind of, much else.
2: A lot of the same kind of names, um, which in turn brings with it a lot of the same, you know, the confidence in the team must be shot. He uh, has to hard, be. hard to hard pressed to find that will have done anything to kind of galvanise spirit within this week the way it's uh, played
0: out. Um, I think it could be yeah you know, a real a real shit show of a game. I guess if you were looking at any team in the league right now to play, Hibs might be the the team you would pick, though, because they are really struggling. And like I say, the the players who are expected to be leaving or have left um, this week, they're down to the bare bones as well and also not in good form. And we do at least carry a threat up front. And you'd like to think if you can get a goal up, then you might be able to turn the tables in terms of the toxicity in the ground And it could get very ugly On either side um, The same applies to us Though obviously If we go to a down A couple of misplaced passes Who knows what It's going to get It's going to get brutal Isn't it Well I mean When you say that
2: You know Hibs are maybe the perfect team For us to play If you're Hibs At Easter Road At home There's no better team To come calling well, than Aberdeen Exactly Come on so, down Um Like I said Like Wrestlemania Anything can happen
0: So what you're saying This is the This is not the granddaddy of, of them all
2: This is the WrestleMania of Scottish football. This is fast line. (laughs)
0: Um, Let's have a quick look at the data, shall we, then, about Hibs this season. Um, We've spoken about Hibs a lot this season. This is obviously the third meeting between the sides so far. At home, they've played 11 1 5, drawn 3, lost 3. Scored 18, conceded 14. So at home, is where they are picking up points. It's 18 points out of their 27 so far this season. Have been at home. Top scorer is Kevin Isbitt on seven, um, all of which I think have come since he's returned from injury. After that, it's Martin Boyle on five, who's not played since before the World Cup. So I think that says an awful lot about Hibs and where some of their issues have been this season. And that's borne out by the, Statistics as well, I think, in terms of goals scored. They've only scored, uh, let's say, 29 so far this season, which does place them kind of midway in the table in terms of uh, scoring goals. Conceded goal is a big problem for them as well. 37, which is exactly the same number as we've conceded, um, joint second worst defence in the league. In terms of as well, their expected goals against versus goals conceded is incredible. They've actually got the third lowest expected goals against from open play in the league uh, 15.6 but they've conceded 26 which does make me look, and I know David Marshall's been getting a lot of plaudits about how well he's been performing but when you look at numbers like that that doesn't look to me like a goalkeeper who is performing as well as he possibly could.
2: It's, I mean it's one of the, I, I have not watched a huge amount of Hibs this season for obvious reasons, but I mean at Pataudry, I think they did give us some problems but, you know, when you get a goal ahead they are they were very easy that night to cut open. And then I yeah. did watch the Hearts uh Hibs game in the Scottish Cup at the weekend. Uh past just passed and Hibs are in an Edinburgh derby at home especially. Tough game. That is a team that is lacking in a number of areas. Uh much like ourselves. The basic principles of, you know, battling and and having any kind of spirit and probably even more concerning than that, a very, very limited amount of quality on, on display. McGeady um, looked a little bit more like, you know, Aidan McGee that we remember. But I think if you kind of go about preventing him from playing, I don't think have got a huge amount more. And then, yeah, at the back, we saw about four good goals against them. Um, it does seem strange, yeah, because David Marshall has been getting a lot of credit. But,
0: yeah, maybe this is just another sign that the data doesn't uh, tell you all it, all it needs to. Exactly. In terms of the way they play as well, it's it's quite interesting to look at. that The third highest uh, team in terms of the, the, the time they take in possession, uh, 7.85 seconds per sequence, just places them in behind Celtic Rangers. On a passes per sequence basis, they're up in the top four as well, 2.89 direct speed. They get the ball at the park relatively quickly, 1.78 places them third in the league table from that metric. In terms of build-up play, again, that's the kind of model they're looking for, but they just don't seem to have any sort of cutting edge up the top. I think when we um, we'll come on to talk to Colin from the Long Bangers podcast, what a name that is, by the way, I love it, Um, later on about this, that seems to be a massive problem for them, because I think they are controlling a lot of games in terms of possession, but just not doing an awful lot with it. And I think that's borne out by some of the stuff that Lee Johnson said as well.
2: These modern football teams with their modern managers, with their modern possession stats. Who do they think they are? And also, I think there's been a little chat um, online about them and being in a similar situation to us with players being either told they're free to go or, you know, they're they're welcome to go about finding new players. I like think I've seen Joe Newell's name and one other whose name escapes me right now. So I think there's also players... Chris you know, Caden, maybe. Caden, that's it. Um, yeah. So I think there's players looking for an exit strategy out there. And it seems like it's a pretty tough time to be a high B right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just goes out to say, I mean, they've got the third highest average possession stats in the league, 56.4% is their possession stat on the average across the season. That's just in behind. Celtic and Rangers quite a bit above us, in fairness, uh, about 7% above our average. So yeah, it it just bears out everything we're hearing about Hibs so far this season. In terms of the pressing uh, PPDA of 10.4, which also places them as being the third most pressing side in the league behind Celtic and Rangers as well so it's kind of interesting to look at all this and kind of try and figure out exactly where things are going wrong for Hibs this season it just looks as though they just simply don't have a proper cutting edge up top they seem to be dominating games from a possession perspective doing a lot of things right in terms of the press etc but holy shit their stats and their game management is fucking horrendous I watched a bit of Hearts Hibs at the weekend and I saw a lot of people saying Hibs played well and I was like they really didn't. like. They played right into Hart's hand. And when Tony Civic can run 60 yards and then chip your goalkeeper, when his team are down to 10 men, I think you've got some real fundamental issues. And can we just talk about Harry McCurdy's haircut? I admire it. I admire like that it? He, I admire that he's
2: making uh, a tribute to the Hibs Golden Era. <laughs> that would have been not out of place amongst, you know, O'Connor and Reardon and Sproul Super. and Scott Brown and Kevin Thompson and all those kind of guys back in the yeah. in the mid early two
0: thousands. Absolutely. Anyway, um, he is that's... fucking he is fucking terrible. Thanks, Gav. Jinxed it. Lovely stuff. Anyway, as we just touched on earlier on, again, you know, we don't watch an awful lot of Hebs. Why would we? Um, it's not in our wheelhouse. Let's be honest. Um, but in order to get the lowdown on exactly what is going on at Hebs, and have a good old fucking laugh at each other, we spoke with Colin from the Long Bangers podcast. Colin from the Long Bangers Podcast. Welcome to the ABZ. How's it going, mate? I'm um, good, thanks. Hi, thanks for asking me on. How are you? Not a problem. Um, I'm in a state of bewilderment/slash hilarity because as we just spoke about before we came on, um, we're about 20 minutes after Aberdeen have just announced their statement um confirming that Jim Gooden's gonna be in the dugout on Saturday. So um that's interesting. Is this the first game of football you think in existence where both teams are willing, both sets of supporters, sorry, are willing their teams to
1: lose? Oh, it must be, <laughs> must be up there. I've got to say, I, I, I don't know where I stand on it. Like, where our point of view, um, just like we, we've we've hired and fired that many over the last few while. But when I try and compare it with the Maloney one, they sacked them for for less than what they've sacked. They not yeah. sacked, sorry, Johnson for. Um, and said that they had no signs of improvement Under Maloney But there's no been any signs of improvement here But yet he seems to be getting free reign on the squad to okay. do what he wants at the moment as well yeah. And you think, holy shit, what's going on? So aye, um I'm surprised Goodwin's still there though Because he's had, it, it, can't be, it must be uh, nearly a year I think I read February in that uh, that statement It's February, it's been
0: February And we, February, and we were just yeah. talking
1: about it as well You know, Stephen Glass's predecessor Was
0: effectively sacked for less Got knocked out of the Scottish Cup by Motherwell you know, I was going to um, ask that. I wasn't sure
1: what uh, what the, the how bad the league position was and all that um, um, when Glass went.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Mm, it's nice.
1: It that it's it's nice to have company. I know. In the sh- I know. And, do you know the thing yeah. is? I don't. I don't want us both sacking and managing at the same time because <laughs> then we would just have them all. All of them with the hundreds of series, that the both clubs would no doubt get. Get the same ones. They'd all be fighting. They'd all be just touting themselves to the highest bidder, and you guys would win that. So, well, I was going to say, as is always happens, Hibs just copy hmm. our scouting work, I
0: think, or maybe we copy yours. I, I don't know which way around it. it is. It always um, seems
1: like as soon as you've got an interest in a player, the, the guy, the journalist, I can't remember the guy. Scott Burns. Aye, ah, he just says Aberdeen are interested as well, and that fucks the whole thing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Listen, let's just get down to dance. We've only
0: got a short period of time, so where, what do you think is what's the what's the root cause issue about Hibbs's trivials? Not just this season, because like you guys have been. It feels like a turmoil now for at least the last two, possibly a bit more than that. And we're in the same. We've I, also
1: got our reasons why we think that is. But we'll, where do you think the root cause issues are for? Ours is recruitment. Um, it's actually, no. it feels a lot longer. It's like 18 months because um, two years ago, we were third in the league, cup final, uh, cup semi-final in the same season, which is our stated, I believe, Ames top four cup semi-finals as our KPI. And we were in a final, we lost it. Semi final, we lost it. Third place in the league, comfortably above yep. above yourselves. Um, that that season, then we had a shit run. Sacked them, then just been on a. I, I sacked sorry, just before we sacked Jack Ross, we sacked the director of football and changed the recruitment structure. And since then, there's no ownership or responsibility. You don't know. It's always like a. No, it's not. No, I don't do that. No, I'm, I'm the chief exec. I just do the deals it's the head of recruitment, He's not head of recruitment, it's a transfer committee, what is actually the process? So it's recruitment for us, we just buy in a real load of players and none of them are that good, which is why we've still pretty much got Jack Rossi's fundamentals of team there almost, you know, yeah. handling Stevenson and, and, and all the rest, so aye, it's, uh, it's recruitment for us, I don't know what it is for you guys. I uh, think but. it's a bit of a weird one with us, I think, I think
0: we spoke about it all week, that think sack and goodwin uh, he has to go like you can't uh, no manager in any top flight team in scotland whether it's aberdeen Hibs, livingston simon and no manager in the top flight in scotland can surely survive being beaten in the cup by a sixth tier well, team you know robbie Nielsen did fifth tier and they were championship right, okay. at the time so the, the gap is smaller <laughs> you know
1: um, right.
0: straws clutching at yes um yeah. but you know that's my view is that I don't think any manager in a top flight team can survive that defeat on Monday night. Like that is arguably the worst result in Scottish football history. You know, it's not even like it's the most embarrassing night for Aberdeen. It's it's right up there. Um, which is why I'm still astonished that we are where we are, but we've, we spoke about a lot. And we'll, I guarantee we'll probably end up talking about it on our main part of the yeah. podcast. Goodwin's just a symptom of this. This is not all down to him. I don't think, you know, we've got, we've got a director of football in play, now in Stephen Gunn, who, if we're being brutally honest about it, wouldn't be a director of football at any other team in the top flight in Scotland or anywhere else for that matter, in my view, because he simply doesn't have the the experience, the qualifications to be in that job. And, you know, ultimately, if you look at our structure and our philosophy, it's kind of similar to what you just touched on there about your KPIs and stated aims and everything, the footballing operation is meant to, you know, that all comes under Stephen Gunn's remit. He's ultimately responsible for that. In our statement tonight, we've got a football monitoring board now, which is some bullshit. Ah. They've just pulled out the ether, which appears yeah. to be holding his hand to allow him to make decisions about what we do with the manager. I think, yeah, it seems like Ron and Dave have been having a chat. Well, I'm here we go. Him. This is where I was going to come to, because obviously this is our parallels, isn't it? It's football mm. clubs recently is our esteemed American-based owners. Yeah, Is that kind of where you guys see this root cause problem yeah.
1: having come from? Um, so uh, he's quite, he doesn't, he's not active. You know, he's put, he's, we've got, he's put a chief exec in charge and he's put his yeah. son in charge of recruitment yes. and backtracked for that a bit. Um, and and actually when we've spoken to him, we've been on the other podcasts and done a, a sort of joint press conference thing sort of thing. And all and field stuff's going well. So you could say, well, this chief exec's doing his job. Well, yeah. actually, you know, that, that may be an American thing like, get well, let's get the money in. You know, whereas actually the way you get the money in is get the product on the part, right? And then, then, or you can either do both at the same time or you prioritise the pitch. You don't prioritise off the field over, you know, but the, the off-field stuff's brilliant. The hospitality has all been done and we're bringing money better better than we ever did under the previous uh, regime and all that. But it's like nobody gets a shit because we're showing the pitch. It's terrifying the parallels. It really is because similarly, Cormac's done a lot of good things for
0: us, but it's all like off-field stuff, you know, bringing the, the, the kind of red shed idea, trying to generate the atmosphere of at patology. It's been crying out for it for years. I mean, everybody's always laughed at Patology having no atmosphere at all. That's been a massive uh, boost in terms of what's going on at the club at, at home. You know, our hospitality stuff, ticket office, as a club shop. They're all brilliant. They all work really well. Our commercial director, Rob Wick, seems to do a good job in terms of exactly, as you say, getting more hospitality and getting the club sponsorship up, all that good stuff, great. But it seems to have been at the detriment of what is fundamentally the most important part of any football club is what happens on the pitch. We can have... A fantastic community trust, which does amazing work in the local community. But fundamentally, kind of almost doesn't matter when the football team, the main crux of what everyone goes to see on a Saturday afternoon,
1: is failing so well, miserably. I think your your support base is similar to ours in that we we just stop going. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so the 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 walk up for the rest of the season is just going to be horrendous. You know, you gotta have that but we'll still be announcing uh, you know, sixteen thousand attendances and that because we've got I don't know 1,000 13, 13 yeah. seasons like old or whatever it is, Um and then you've got the away fans on it. So the attendance will get announced that but you've sitting in the ground going, it's quite today, like you know, and that that's what it, it'll just start drifting the 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 walk up. Yeah, not and the, and the mad thing is because the league is so shit, like in terms <laughs> of everybody's the same. And it's like it was like last year, the top six, you know, we finished seventh, I think, and uh, Motherwell got in by not winning a game after January or something. You know, it was like yeah. it was like us the other day. We went uh, into the top six because two teams got beat heavily. <laughs> but, uh, what are you, you being one of them. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's madness. And, it really is. Uh, um so, uh, we still got fourth place to play for, really, because we're only four points so off fourth or something.
0: It's yeah, I, I, and we're the same. It's that thing. Is it? It's like on one hand, it feels. I think most people, our season just that was it. Monday night, our season's done. Realistically, actually, fourth place is going to get you a place in Europe again next season, which is probably our stated aim at the start of the season was to get back into Europe. Um, And I wonder if that's part of the reason why Goodwin's been given a little bit more time here. Although reading between the lines on the statement, it feels like if we get beat on Saturday, he's gone anyway. So all we've done is kick this particular can down the road. Um, So let's just quickly talk about Saturday because it's going to be, it's already been christened El Sacchio amongst Uh, well those of us of the Twitter sphere anyway what do you think we can expect I mean obviously Hibs there's a lot of talk about whether Kevin Nisbet will still be there um, obviously I think been attracted interest from Millwall in the last couple of days uh, Ryan Porteous obviously still a big question about whether he'll still be at Hibbs come the end of the transfer window just what are your thoughts what, what, what do you think we can expect on uh, on Saturday both games so far between the teams have been dominated by the home side 3-1 to Hibbs initially 4-1 Aberdeen in the return fixture which, can we expect the same again, or are we going to have a
1: nil-nil and both managers somehow amble on for another week? I, I don't think our manager is going to get sacked, no matter the result. Right? that's where I think we are. I think they've went right. We're all eggs in one basket with this guy, um, which I don't know if that makes it better for the, the uh, motivate the players more or not. You know, I don't know. Um, I think we will um, huff and puff, maybe have a lot of possession and play a lot of the ball. Create, uh, create chances, not score them, and let in silly goals at the other end because that is how we play.
0: That seems a like us to uh, be fair.
1: So could <laughs> <laughs> <It's, laughs> be a four all then. It could be nil um, nil could be four all. Could be anything. Yeah, yeah. now we're we're all over the place, and by all accounts, Nisbet and Porteous have they're gone. They're, they're, I don't think they'll be playing on Saturday. It seems like no. they're they're both uh, just the rumours that are flying about, and you, know, yeah. you can take them a pinch of salt, but. Um, hearing rumours today, they've, they've cleared the lockers, you know, the, the one's already in London getting medicals and all that, the others going. Um so that's that's that. But I mean I've got to say like Nisbet Nisbet will be a loss even though he's only just been back for six yeah. weeks since he's after being out for a year. Um because he he's been on the only bright spark, hasn't he?
0: In the last uh, few weeks. It, I've watched quite a bit of Hibs in the last few weeks because he's been on T V quite a bit. Um
1: yeah. And Nisbet's yeah. been like the only thing keeping you guys going, it looks like absolutely he scores all the goals. Um he's Two, two, and then 3 at Motherwell, um, and he just got eyebrows and all that, and you know yeah. in other games. So he scored in every. I think he scored seven and seven or something since he came back for injury. Um, we don't have anybody else to score goals because the big, the big guy ninety-nine, uh, Kukarevich, Kukarevic, Yeah, I don't know actually have that's how you say it. He is injured as well, and he he was looking promising. He scored up at Petardley. Yeah, that, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you've loaned Melkers to Sparta, haven't you? As well. So he, he didn't score a goal at any goals anyway, yeah, yeah. so that, that wouldn't have mattered. Um so so the the only break spot we might have is we've got we had a decent under 18 side, they are now under 19s playing in Europe doing quite well. Yeah. That some of them might actually they might get a game. They might just have to play them. And it might be we find ourselves in a in another golden generation situation where we go, who we had to play these guys by accident because of nothing else. And that's like me clinging to hope and you know <laughs> That's all that is. It's difficult though. For the, the Nisbet one in particular is difficult for Hebs, isn't it? He's only got eighteen
0: months left in his contract, I think. And you're yeah. looking at what two million plus? I think was the last stuff was They're being talked up about.
1: To, can rise to two point three, but yeah. that'll be all with sell-ons and uh, Scotland caps and all that.
0: Another. That's hard, isn't it, to turn that sort of money down for a player who's got eighteen months left in his deal? That's it's it's that horrible juncture. If he's not going to sign yes. a new deal, and I think all the signs are he's not going to. You
1: kinda of have to cash in, don't you? It's the same as where we were with Lewis Ferguson um last January. And we've got purchase in there, with will yeah. six months left. Who's not who we're going to leave for, for free if he doesn't go. So then the club will be saying, Well, we can't be in the same situation again as yeah. this time next year. Absolutely. So I think that's that's probably what, what'll push that through. Two point three million is not bad. Um purchase will be a purchase will be a loss purely but not not purely pure a bigger loss because we've no defenders left. Well, yeah, because um, Bashiri's injured as well now, isn't he? Bashiri hurt himself quite. It looks quite bad on on. I've seen it back, um, and it looks like he's really done his knee. But mm-hmm. I've heard it's his foot, so I don't know but He's really twisted himself. I suspect he'll be for the season. Hanlon only came off the bench on Sunday because he had to. You know, he was like he was just there as emergency cover, yeah. and he, he's apparently carrying an injury. is sold. We're left with um, the boy who's on loan from Man United, and. Um, Darren McGregor, I suppose. So so that's where we are. We're back to, you know, like somebody that we thought had retired, um, possibly in the squad, because with nobody else. We've nobody great, else. Great stuff. You've got about as many centre-halves as we do. So it's it's all shaping <laughs> up to be
0: an absolute classic at Easter Road on Saturday.
1: Louis <laughs> Stevenson, we said centre-half on Saturday. That's, <laughs>
0: that's just going to happen. There's honestly tiny parts of me. I, I'm not meant to be going down to Easter Road on Saturday. There's a tiny bit of me. It's like, I kind of want to go now just to see just how toxic this atmosphere is going to be in the away end, yeah. um, mm. for the pure oh, man, for sure. hilarity that I imagine is going to ensue from the whole thing. It's unbelievable. we oh, listen, we'll, we'll wrap up quickly here just now, but if you want, we can never let our guests go without venturing a prediction
1: for Saturday. Yeah. So let's hear um, it. 3-2 Hibs. Three, two, hips. There we go. I love it. Yeah, I don't oh. know. You scored me three, like I, I have no idea. Like you must have OGS or something. <laughs> Do, have you Hopefully seen us play singles
0: <laughs> It could be anyone. Lee Johnson might uh, score three. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Honestly, terrible <laughs> yeah. stuff. I, I, Con, I'd love to say it's been a pleasure talking. It has been, obviously, but it about a miserable <laughs> state of affairs for both know. of our football clubs right now. Um, and the only good thing that comes out of this is Hearts fans get to gloat about us. Bo- know, both our love, clubs. They'll be loving it loving it yeah horrendous stuff listen colin from the long bangers podcast thanks very much for joining us take care see you on the other side cheers so there we have it gav that's our we chat with colin that was depressing it's fair yep. to say um it's gonna be fascinating it really is this is a game where i'm like sky should have just decided the last minute we'll pick this up and broadcast this live to the nation on free to air tv i saw somebody as well at saying that if we could, if we could harness the energy of the booing at Easter Road at the weekend, we could power and heat the country for the next twelve months. And I suspect that would be very much the case. So, Gav, without any further ado, a prediction for El Sacchio, loser leaves town, who's packing up their bags and hitting the road.
2: Until they come back the next week with a new gimmick. Um I, I really have no idea. <laughs> I genuinely do think this game could go any any of well could be any, anything. any of any of three ways. I guess. It could be anything. I think that the biggest, most decisive moment will be who scores first if someone scores first. Um because we've got it pretty much nailed down if we concede first, that's it. Game yep. over. The referee might as well just take the ball back in and save us all the time and hassle. If we score first, I think they will the home crowd will get on their backs. Presumably by that point, Porteous will be away and not able to bulldog headlock any of our defenders in our penalty area and win a penalty off of it. So, uh, yeah, first goal is going to be decisive, uh, but I can't call who's going to win.
0: Okay, I'm going to venture it. I'm going to say it's going to be nil-nil and both teams will somehow stumble on. Aberdeen will decide that, that was an immediate response because we kept a clean sheet and we got a point at a quote-unquote difficult venue and we'll stumble on to Wednesday night um, ahead of the visit of St Mirren to pathology for what could get extremely ugly if things don't pan out the way we would hope. So I think that being said, Gav, that'll do us, I think, for just now, will it? For the time being, yeah. Excellent. Lovely stuff. We'll see you all next time around, episode 87, where yep. we'll review the game against Hibs at the Weekend. We'll preview our doublehead. I think we'll, do a, we'll preview both of them. This has been an intensive week and a bit for Gav and his editing skills. We'll see you next time. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with the Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fears any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters, Podrice Stadium, for free on match days. Come on, you reds!